Happy Tuesday, buddies. It's time for another one of your favorite episodes of one of your favorite shows, BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a comedic magician and my new buddy, Harry Maurer. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I always love meeting magicians, you know? I, they're, they always entertain me. They always inspire me. So That's good. That's good. Yeah. Magicians are good people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And if you get on their bad side, they can make your bank account disappear. There you go. Mm-hmm. So I got to start by asking, how did you get into magic? You know, I started learning magic when I was a little kid. My my grandfather, when I was little, just for, you know, he's a grandfather. He used to pull coins out of my ears, and he showed me how to do it eventually. And it's something that I just liked, and I started doing sleight of hand when I was a little kid. And it's something that just kept snowballing and getting bigger and bigger. You know, by the time I was uh, in my early teens, I would go start. Actually, no, I was, I was about maybe 11 or yeah, 11 or 12. I started performing at birthday parties, which most magicians do. And by the time I was 13, I did my first nightclub performance when I was 13 years old. And, and then from there, it just kept snowballing. I mean, like I said, it got bigger and bigger. I, by the time I was um, 16, I was working in restaurants doing close-up magic at the table sides, six hours a day doing close-up magic. Uh, when I was 18, uh, I started working the Playboy Club in New York doing two shows a night, three shows Friday, three shows Saturday. And I uh, started working Atlantic City and then cruise ships and it just kept in Vegas and it just kept building. It's nice. It's mm-hmm. nice. What I like about that story is how it started with someone who I assume was your buddy, your grandfather. Yes. You know, just inspiring you, just like doing those things. And then that became a career. Yeah, which is surprising because, you know, I, even I didn't expect it to be a career. You know, I wanted to be an architect. But the mm. funny thing is that magic just kept get building and building and building. And even my guidance counselor in high school, you know, everybody knew what I was doing. I mean, even my my principal when I was in high school, used to let me out at lunchtime to go work a nightclub down in the Jersey Shore. You know, so it was a, yeah, it was, everybody knew what I was doing. And my guidance counselor found a school uh, that's, you know, that was a a theater school. And she said, this would be perfect for you. And I, and, and so I went there and it was a very select school. And I'm, I'm very happy. I learned from, you know, professional Broadway uh, coaches and uh, acting directors and, and um, acting coaches and voice coaches. So I was very, 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 very lucky. Mm-hmm. So I got to ask now, do you have any funny stories from your career? Like uh, audience appropriate, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. Like well, I, yeah. well, I'm just trying to think. Oh, actually, the first time I started working on cruise ships, uh, you know, I, I, I was I was in college and I was <laughs> I was in college and I was, you know, going to school from eight in the morning until five at night. Uh, and then I would drive to New York and start working in the Playboy Club in New York from uh, two hour, two shows a night, three shows Friday, three shows Saturday. And my, I had an agent in New York, and the agent kept kept offering me cruise ship work, and I kept turning it down because I'm in college. And so he finally, uh, so when my, um, what do you call it, the 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 dean of the college came up to me one day because she found out that I kept turning these shows down. She said, "Look, we'll give you a sabbatical." So I said, okay. So I said to the agent, all right, the next time it comes up, I'll do it. And so he calls me. He says, Harry, pack your bags. You're leaving for Haiti. I said, when? He says, tomorrow. 
So I literally in, in a day, I had to pack the show. I had to pack my clothes. I had never done a ship before. And I, I ended up flying to Haiti to meet the ship and my clothes go to St. Martin and my equipment goes to Houston, Texas. <laughs> you know, the airline screwed everything up. So I'm on the ship with nothing. And finally, after about maybe a couple of days, they found my clothes and my clothes were sent to the next port and I had clothes, but I still had no props. And the cruise director said, is it possible? Can you do anything? And I said, well, okay. And I, I made all of my, you know, newspapers, uh, whatever, rope, whatever I could find on the ships, decks of cards, whatever. I went there and I did the show because I had my clothes. And, uh, and it's funny. I, and when we got back to um, Miami, which is the home port, I called my agent and he's laughing. He says, Harry, they've extended you because <laughs> it all worked out really well. Everybody really enjoyed it. So and they finally found my equipment, thankfully, and I could do my shows. So I'm, yeah. I'm very that, that was one of those really weird, bizarre experiences. One of those moments where you literally have nothing to work with, but you make the best out of the situation. You try. You always try. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of stories, do you have any fun heckler stories, too? Uh, audience appropriate ones? Yes. I'm, not sure. I'm not so sure about that. Um, well, there's actually, you know, it's funny. I was in Atlantic City. I was at the at the Tropicana at the Comedy Stop, one of the comedy clubs in Atlantic City. And the uh, and I, I don't know if you call them hecklers or not, but there there's uh, Sal Richards as a comedian and also Pat Cooper who are big name, both of them are big name comedians. And Sam had unfortunately passed away recently, but they were both doing shows in Atlantic City and it was late at night on a Saturday night and they came to go see the show. And they're kind of drinking and they're having fun and they're kind of wild. And so I asked them if they wanted to come up and do a guest set. So they come on stage to do a guest set and we can't get them off the stage. They won't stop. They just keep going and going and going. So one of the comedians comes out with a lounge chair and plops it down and sits there with a lounge chair and sort of lays down on stage. Another one comes out with a roll of toilet paper around his fingers. And I'm sitting there unrolling the toilet paper, just trying to distract the audience to get them laughing and let this guy, let these guys know that, you know, it's time to leave. And none of them would leave. So all three of the comedians, all of us stood up and we literally just dropped our pants on stage. And finally <laughs> that shut them up, they shut them up and they got off stage. And that's how we kind of, kind of quelled that heckling that went on, that went on. Nice, nice. I love the goop effort in that. I love the okay. Uh, three, one, two, oh, yeah. drop. Well, what was so funny about that is, is the club owner, we had Thanksgiving at his house one night and I'm, I went to the restroom, went to the bathroom in his house and hanging above the, the toilet in the bathroom is that picture of the, the three of us with our pants down. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Now you mentioned earlier that you were cruise ships, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us what that, what that is like for you. Well, I do a lot of a lot of ships. I used to work about six to eight months of the year on the ships. And I've sort of tried to dial that back quite a bit. So I'm usually about four months on the ships uh, now. And um, the ships are interesting. It's what, really what I would consider to be the millennium. Uh, it, it's the vaudeville of the millennium, you know, because it's so funny. Because if you read old history books about theater, you know, all of these acts would get together and they'd work a circuit and they'd work a theater in particular. And then they'd be there for a week or so or whatever that contract was. And then they'd all split off and they'd go to different places and they may, may meet again later. And that's exactly what the cruise ships are like now, because you may have three or four different acts that, you know, you'll bump into again at another point in time and you all get together and you're all friends and you're sitting there and working that 
that venue for the week or the two weeks or the month or the two months or however it may may be that contract. And then you're going to split, split off and you'll go out your own way and you'll meet on, you may meet on another ship a couple of years later. But to me, that was the millen- that was the vaudeville of the millennium. Ooh, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. And you also do fundraisers too, correct? I do do fundraisers. <clears throat> um, I, there's a lot of need for, especially in theaters, there's a lot of um, community theaters that really, they have a hard time really uh, developing themselves and to be able to get people to be able to contribute to the theater only because the theater always needs lights. They want to be able to improve their scenery. They want to be able to improve the theater itself. And there's some beautiful, beautiful theaters out there, but unfortunately there's not enough funding to, to really help them out. And so I really kind of designed a program and we call it supercharged fundraising where we will all come in and I package the entire show for them. We do everything from the publicity, uh, the posters, the poster printing, the publicity, everything. And all they need to do is market it the way, the same way they market their shows. And we have a lot of incentives to get people to sign up to the list, to be able to donate and, and do things like that. And when we do it, it's very successful because one of the theaters we were in, the, uh, the artistic director was actually shocked. He was shocked because he said 60% of this audience has never been to this theater before. And the nice thing is that if they had a good time, you know, and they now know that the theater's there and you promote to them, they'll come back. You've just built up an audience base. So it works really effectively and I like it. Nice. That's beautiful. I love, I love how you're supporting theaters. Like I love how you're supporting, you know, places that truly need it. Cause one question that we have here is, from our audience, how are you handling the pandemic right now? Oh, wow. Well, the pandemic right now, there's a lot of magicians who are doing virtual shows. I personally am not a really a big fan of, per, of, of virtual shows. I really do believe that uh, entertainment needs a live audience. And although you're doing it distance-wise on the computer, it's not the same. <clears throat> and I, it may be the second best thing. Actually, to me, my, my mind is the third best thing. One of the things that I really, now me personally, I'm sort of sitting back and waiting for things to get better. I mean, even uh, Fuji uh, had an article just the other day that he expects theaters to reopen by the fall. He really does. So that's good. And I'm sort of holding back and, and I actually meet with, I have a, a, agents that we meet with every Wednesday mm-hmm. and we, we have a Zoom call and he lets us know what's happening with the industry and, 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 and how are things are progressing. And there are some places in the country that have opened up which is surprising. I mean, California is completely shut down. You know, Florida's opened up a little bit. Um, there's places in New Jersey that are, that are starting to open. Uh, so there's different places around the country that are starting to open. One of the things I've started doing during this pandemic is there's a lot of business stuff that I've always learned and I've always been able to use for my business because I've done this for a long time. <clears throat> so I started putting it together. I have a podcast as well. And the Ooh. podcast is called The Enlightened Entrepreneur. And it's a weekly podcast, and it's only about five or ten minutes long. But each week, it reveals a new free or low-cost tool or resource that any business or entrepreneur can use to be able to help advance their their business. And uh, it's really successful. I really like I really like the the the, the program. So I've been doing that. I've written books uh, on business. Um, one of the books I wrote is called um, "On Your Own But Not Alone: Fifty mm-hmm. Free and Low-Cost Resources for." entrepreneurs and small businesses. And it's a bestseller on Amazon. And I did that actually prior to the pandemic. 
And I have an entire platform now that teaches courses and trainings for businesses to be able to help them succeed. And again, the site is, is the Enlightened Entrepreneur. It's actually, if, I could, if you don't mind my saying, it's, it's www.enlightened-e.com. <clears throat> and that's the, the site that has pretty much everything all together in one place. Um, so I've been doing that. And again, you were talking about theaters, how, you know, how theaters really need help. And one, I got a call out of the blue. This is a very bizarre call. <clears throat> I got a phone call from a company that said, uh, because they know I do fundraisers and they know I produce these kind of shows. And they came up to me and they said, um, they said, we have small robotic cameras and we do this for churches. And he says, what we do is we, we send these out and you set up the cameras. We instruct you on how to set them up. And then we will live stream your services is what they do. And they thought maybe I could have some sort of a use for this. And we talked about this and we had a couple of meetings about this. And I thought it was going to be too expensive for a theater. And then we talked to them and we actually renegotiated the pricing uh, to make it economical for theaters, which I think it's, it's amazing. I'll tell you what they do, because now. These cameras are $3,000 cameras each, okay? You, now, rather, you can buy them if you want, and they'll actually offer them to you for $1,500 each. They'll give you to your half price, or actually both of them for $3,000. <clears> but um, once you set it up in your theater and there's no contract, in other words, you want to do it for just one month, you do it for one month, you're done, okay? The contract is based on how many productions you want to do during the month, and it can be as little as $99 per show. Now, realize that with these two cameras that can zoom and pan and all this other stuff, and people in studios in California are literally doing live editing. They're, li they're, sh they're actually shooting it like the, like the Emmys, you know, where they're sitting there remotely and actually, actually uh, um, 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 not only streaming your show, but they're live editing your show. And for $99 per shoot, you know, you can stream it and have an entire new audience while you're doing it for the limited live audiences that you have. So that's one of the things I've been trying to um, get theaters to understand because it's a shame there are so many theaters that are closing down because, because of the pandemic. They can't bring enough people in to make it worthwhile for them. So they just have to close their doors and they're shut for good. None of them will, there's a lot of them that will never reopen again. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to give you another site. If there's, if you know any of theaters that are interested in this and they mm -hmm. want to find out more about it, it's the, the, the website is www.showstreaming.info. And that'll tell you more information about it. It gives you a lot of details about it. Okay. That's it. Perfect. Yep. Hey, you mentioned the book earlier. Tell us a little bit about that more. Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, the book itself has uh, everything from uh, a, a free autoresponder system that you can use, a uh, free contact management system so, uh, software. Now, these things, just those two alone, I mean, a, a good uh, autoresponder system may cost you 30 bucks or 50 bucks a month, okay? It's completely free. Uh, the, the customer relationship management program, that can cost you between 50 bucks a month or you can get it for per year for, let's say, about 300 or $400. And again, completely free. Up to, and by the way, the, the customer relationship management program will allow you to keep up to a million contacts completely free. There's no charge for it. And it has so many different additional things in there as well. So uh, the book is filled with 50 things like that, everything from free video editors 
uh, to, um, uh, to text messaging solutions that are very economical um, to, um, gosh, I'm trying to think what else is in that book, um, to graphic programs, uh, like I said, video editing programs, uh, things that can make small little uh, promotional videos for you. And again, most of them are free. And when I say low cost, I'm talking as little as 20, as, as the most would probably be about $20. And that's total cost. So I think there's a need for it. And a lot of people aren't aware of it. And I'm constantly researching these things for myself. Some of them I love and I use on my own. Some of them I say, well, I have other things that I'm using that do the same thing, but this is a good program. So I'll recommend it to other people. And I think this all started because a lot of people were asking me or they had problems. And I say, here's a program that'll solve that problem for you. And here's another program that'll solve that problem for you. If you want to go further, here's more and more. And obviously, you don't want to throw 50 things into the kettle all at once. You want to be able to take things one at a time and be able to say, okay, I'm going to implement this one thing and make it work. So th that's what the book is all about. I love that. I love that. I could. I might talk to you after the show about it a oh, little bit. Because I can So the one question, I, I ask a few questions to my buddies that are always the same. One of which is you mentioned, you know, with the fundraisers and all that, I want to ask you if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? Oh, I would definitely say the theaters and, and, and I wouldn't even say, you know, if you want to do something national, then you can de definitely donate to the actors fund, the actors fund. <clears throat> now the actors fund is not just for actors. It's actually for anyone, anyone in the entertainment industry. They help with 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 expenses and try to help people out. Uh, that, but uh, but even more important than that, in your own town, there's community theaters that need help, and I would definitely recommend trying to donate to them and and, mm -hmm. and trying to do what you can to be able to help them succeed. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful answer. Now, circling real quick, circling back to your performances, the one question I forgot to ask was about: you also do casino work too? I do. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Any, I, I, used to, I used to live outside of Atlantic. Actually, I lived in New Jersey. And I lived um, actually at the time I was I'm trying to think the first time I worked in Atlantic City. I, the first time I worked in Atlantic City was, I think, 1981. It was either 81 or 82. And I was working with Joey Bishop, if you know who that is. He used to mm -hmm. be part of the Rat Pack. He used to be Frank mm -hmm. Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Joey Bishop, uh, Peter Lawford. He was one of he was one of the Rat Pack. And he and I traveled. In a group, it wasn't just the two of us. We traveled in a group, and we traveled around the country doing a show called Tribute to Vaudeville. And then we took that show and brought it into Atlantic City, and we were there for six months, and we just sold out every single night. And in fact, we sold out so many seats, they didn't have a theater to be able to hold us. So we took the ballroom and seated 2,000 people a day in the in the ballroom and just just absolutely blew it away. It was really ter a, a terrific show. And that was the first time I ever worked in Atlantic City. And then people saw what I did. And then based on that, I started working other places. And I started working at the Golden Nugget Hotel in Atlantic City, where I was hosting the show and doing my show as well. And I did two back-to-back -back shows there. And that's where I was nominated for Atlantic City's Entertainer of the Year for Best Opening Act in Atlantic City. And then I've worked at the Showboat Hotel and, and uh, Resorts International and Trump Castle and um, um, where else? The Taj Mahal Hotel, where I was there for a good uh, four or five months. Yeah, I, I, I love doing casino shows. I love doing shows where you're doing shows every single night. 
And as a performer, if you're doing a show once a month, you're not going to learn a lot. You really won't. You, you, you're not going to grow as quickly as you will by doing a show every single night. And I learned this when I was working the Playboy Club years earlier, where I was doing two shows a night, three shows Friday, three shows Saturday. And then every Sunday, I would do six hours of nonstop close-up magic <clears throat> at, a, at another restaurant down on the Jersey Shore. But when what I learned is that the first week, you're really getting used to the environment. You know, you're getting used to the lights, the audience, how you're interacting with people, your staging, things like that. Once the week or the second week is over, now that's where you start growing. That's the moment you start improving. That's the moment you're so comfortable and, and used to the entire environment because that's now your home that you can actually play and have some fun. And the funny thing is that you can take a little more chances because if you make a mistake, you say, you know what? I'll make up for it in the 10 o'clock show. It's okay. You know, if, <laughs> if something doesn't work 100%, I'll be okay with that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Absolutely love that just keep moving forward you know yeah mm -hmm. now i gotta ask you in your own words what does it mean to be someone's buddy you know it, it's funny because I, I i knew that you were going to ask that but it, it, a buddy to me is somebody you know you have to think back to when if you ever went to camp mm -hmm. you know and there's a buddy system that's a person who's actually there to to protect you and that's somebody who's there who's by your side OK, and I would take that even further on, but to take the concept of that and say a buddy is somebody who you actually have 100 percent trust in, somebody that you can confide in and somebody who um, who at any hour, you know, you could give them a call and they'll be there to pick up the phone because mm -hmm. they 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 understand you. You're good. You're bad. Everything. They understand you. And I think that's a buddy. Yes. Love that answer. Love the answer. Now it's time for me to ask you what's called the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Oh, okay. What is your advice to anyone who wants to become a magician out there? Oh, uh, I, I had a mentor when I started, when I was about 16, I met uh, the amazing Randy, if you know who that is. The amazing Randy. He was the best escape artist since Houdini. And over the years, he has been known as the debunker of psychics. He was the one who, um, who went after Yuri Geller because Yuri Geller was literally taking a lot of money from every, from the government and everybody, uh, you know, claiming that he had psychic powers where he didn't. And there's too many people who believe in things like this. But Randy was a mentor to me, very funny performer. And he, by the way, he passed away just a couple of months ago at mm -hmm. 93, I think it was. Mm -hmm. uh, but, Ra but Randy had taught me when I started learning magic and I was 16 years old. And one of the things he said to me is he says, don't let magic be your entire life. Because you, as a performer, have to relate to an audience and you have to have similar experiences that the audience has. So, you know, I know so many magicians who sit there with a deck of cards and they're constantly working on the deck of cards and they're holed up in their house and they're just sitting there working on the most incredible slights. But unfortunately, as good as they are technically, they can't interact and relate well with an audience. So, I mean, I love, I'll go out and I'll play golf. I go out with friends. We'll go out to clubs and see comedians. I go out and see theater. You know, I, I, we go out and do different things. And because of that, you become a more well-rounded person. And that's the one thing I would probably recommend the most to anybody who wanted to be a magician is don't just learn magic. Learn more than magic. Learn about things in life. Learn, learn things that you can relate to with other people with as well. And that will make your magic stronger. 
I love the advice. Love it. And you're right. There are people who, and it's not just magic. It's other things too. Like I know comedians. I'm a practicing stand-up comedian. I know comedians who will sit in the corner while everyone else is over here socializing with the other, you know, like if we have an open mic, everyone else is over here socializing with one another, having a drink, having a few laughs. There were the comedians in the corner who are looking at their notebook like, you approach them and they give you this look like, why are you talking to me right now? Can't talk. Sorry. <laughs> well, and they're the ones who, they're the ones who, you know, the guys over here are killing it because they're, you know, they're socializing. They know how to connect with those people. They know how to, here's what the audience know, wants to know. Like they were testing their jokes on you the entire time you were chatting with them, you know? Yes, like, but you may. It also may be that you were more comfortable with your material, and they weren't because of that. that so like the actors backstage constantly looking at their script because they don't know if they're going to remember it or not. Exactly, and that too, that too, and you can tell. Like you could just tell the minute they get on stage, you're like, "Uh, so did you hear about the?" And you get that look. You get that feeling of like, "Uh oh!" Like you just get that, you know. Yes. Like it's like when you it's like when you see a magician go on stage, and it's like. So uh, I think it's time for, is this your card or something? That's when uh -huh. you know, okay, time to go, time to go on stage and drop the pants again. You know, like just, well, I don't know if you ever thought about it or not, but you, re you realize that comedy and magic both work on the same principle, yes. which, is, which is surprise. It's timing and surprise. Yes. And, and it, it, so they're very, very interrelated. And because mm. of that, I learned a lot from comedians. I learned a lot from watching and working with comedians. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's always fun. I think like having that comedic story with your magic adds that extra value too, you know, mm -hmm. like adds that, or like having that extra, like surprise, that funny surprise in the end, like you pull out, you know, like you do like a string trick and then it's like all the clothes on the line and then, Hey, there's someone's underwear or <laughs> yep. something mm -hmm. like that. You know, it just, it adds that extra attention value. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all surprise. I mean, let's face it, you can't tell a joke over and over and over again to the same audience because they're not going to, there's no surprise to it. And exactly. magic is the same way. You can't do the same trick over and over and over again because everybody knows what the ending's going to be. It's not that exactly. funny. Exactly. Everyone knows that, yeah, this is going to be your card, of course, you know. Right. Or if not, eventually it's going to be your card. They're just doing something like they're just setting it up or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Something like that, but it's the extra value of yeah, that's your card. But how the heck did it end up in the lemon or something like that? Or how right. did it end up like? How did it end up all the way across the room when the deck of cards is right here in front of me? I've been watching it the whole time. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. Hey, speaking of which, you know, I think it's time for a little performance. You think you could give us a little demonstration? Sure, sure. And I wanted to try to do something again. I'm, I, I don't, yeah. I'm not like I said, I'm not a big fan of doing a virtual show. But yeah. I think that, that that I might be able to to do something. So let me let me um, let me move a couple things out of the way here. Yes. And I'm going to also see too. if I can get this camera to follow me a little bit here. I can give you All the right. screen too. So there we go. Okay, here's the, this will work. The floor is yours, my friend. I'm sorry. The floor is yours. Oh, the floor is mine. The floor is mine. Actually, you're going to help me with this, okay? So okay. good. Bring yourself on screen so I can see you. There, that, that'll work. Okay, that'll work. Um, I've got a deck of cards now. This may not be a full deck of cards, okay? Because I kind of destroy cards as I as I'm doing this trick uh, over and over again. However, mm -hmm. I'm going to let you select a card, okay? But I don't want it to be a picture card, okay? No mm -hmm. jacks, queens, or kings, because in a moment we're going to write on it, and I want to make sure people can very clearly see the the the, the writing on it. So I'm going to fan through these cards. You tell me to stop at one of the cards as I go through. Stop. 
Wait, okay, which one would you like me to use? Um, I'm looking at the Ten of Clubs. The Ten of Clubs? Oops, I'm going the wrong way. There it is. <laughs> That's the Ten of Clubs. Okay. So that this is gonna this is gonna be your card. Okay. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna um let me oh yeah. Okay, I can use this. Okay. Well, let's put this down. All right, we're gonna sign you, you, and I'm gonna sign across the face of it. You want me to put Nick or you want me to put Buddy? What would you like me to put on there? Let's go with Buddy. Buddy, okay. Oh, hang on. B U D D. I should have gotten a brighter thing, but this, there's a mm -hmm. bench. It's all mishmashed on there. <laughs> I can read there it. it. You can read it? Yep. Okay. So that's your card. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to take your card. Okay. And I'm going to take your card. I'm going to actually bury it into the deck. Okay. I'm going to bury it about, let's say about yeah, maybe a third of the way down into the deck. Okay. Just mm -hmm. like this. Now, this not necessarily, this is not necessarily a card trick. A lot of people are very confused by this because it's not a card trick, although I'm using a deck of cards. I'm actually going to be using balloons. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I think I have more. Yeah. Okay. We're going to use some clear balloons. Now, if I blow up a balloon, now this is clear. Okay. You can actually, if I hold it up, can you see through that? I don't know if you can see through yeah. that on the camera or not. Okay. Yeah. You, okay. I use clear balloons for a reason because if you if you blow air into a balloon, it creates an enormous amount of pressure. Pressure so great that if I let the air escape out of the balloon, it escapes so quickly, it creates an almost vacuum so powerful that if you bring the deck of cards anywhere near that balloon, it actually gets sucked up inside of the balloon. The deck is actually inside the balloon. This is the entire reason, by the way, why I use these balloons, the clear balloons, so you can actually see it inside the deck. Now, it actually may not appear to be inside the balloon, but I'm going to blow this up for you. All right. I'm going to try to bring your card towards the top if I can. Actually, I think, yeah, I may be able to do it this way. Let me see. Oh, I had it. It came right out. There we oh. go. There's your balloon, and it's, uh, there's your thing, and it, it says, it does say buddy. There you yep. go. That's that. All right. So that's the trick. Ooh. Yeah. That was perfect. All right. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you so much oh, for thank that. You. Thank you. I, I, I enjoyed doing it. It was fun. Yes. By all means. righty. So thank you so, so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. You're an official buddy here on the show. I don't call them friends. I call them buddies. Well, thanks, Nick. It's a pleasure. And really, thanks again for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yes. By all means, and you're always welcome on the show. If there's ever something you want to promote, any something that you just want to try to help, just shoot me a message, and I'll be right there. Excellent. So, Excellent. Yes. All right. Take care, yes. everybody. Bye-bye Yes, now. for all my buddies, this is my buddy, Harry Maurer. And do me one favor before we end this show. Go be someone's buddy today. Perfect. We'll catch you all next time here on your favorite show, BuddyCast. <laughs>